morning, everyone. Uh, I am going to try and uh, multitask. So let's see how we go. Pray for me. I need to set this up again, Andrew. For all those who don't know, no, Andrew is our resident tech. He knows absolutely everything about everything about tech. So you'll often see him scurrying about, <laughs> especially whenever I am doing something, because uh, I can't remember passwords and stuff. Yes, thank you, appreciate it, man. Is it up there? Okay, so uh, just to intro what we're going to do this morning. Uh, I was praying about this a couple of weeks ago, and not that we'll spiritualize the whole thing, but... Uh, I like to try and be spiritual whenever it comes to what I'm going to share on Sunday morning and hear from the Lord. And uh, I was trying to do my own thing, but I kept listening to this song. And it's by a guy called Dante Bowen. It's called Take Me Back. And it's talking about the relationship of that, that moment where you encounter Jesus and your life is forever changed. And uh, the song just goes through like those scenes in his life. And the chorus says, take me back, take me back um, to my first love. And so this morning, I want to tell the story of when I met my first love as Jesus. I want to tell that story in hopes that it influences you, that it, it speaks to you. And uh, what I would love to do moving forward, um, that some Sunday evenings we have Take Me Back Sundays, where you take us back to where it all began for you, where you inspire us, where you challenge us, whatever it may be, uh, I would love it. So we're gonna, this is called Take Me Back Sunday, and I want to take you back... Um, to where it all began for me. And so uh, Nicola and I often, uh, we always often go back to Gosford Forest Park. You all know it. It's become central place of County Armagh because there's nowhere else to go and we've all bought season tickets and we're there on the bikes and we're there walking and we're in the parks and we're in the coffee and whatever it may be, getting ice cream. But that is where Nicola and I first went on our date, our first ever date. And I remember what she was wearing. I remember her beautiful eyes. I remember grabbing her hand. There she is walking in, by the way, if you don't know who she is. I remember grabbing her hand and uh, being really awkward and nervous. But we often go back there and we talk about how we fell in love with each other and uh, where we had our first date. And it's really good to go back to those moments. And we don't go back to those moments um, to wish back to those days. Maybe you do, but that's not the point. And the point of those moments um, is to inspire you, is to give you hope is to uh, reinvigorate where you're at now, to remind you of how you got there. And so it's a time of rewinding and looking back. So hopefully I can do that this morning. Let me start off with a verse uh, in Mark. Mark 1, verse 19 to 20. Walking a little farther, Jesus found two other brothers sitting in a boat, along with their father mending their nets. Their names were Jacob and John and their father Zebedee. Jesus immediately walked up to them and invited the two brothers to become his followers. At once, Jacob and John dropped their nets, stood up, left their father in the boat and the hard, with the hard men and followed Jesus. Uh, just a wee background, my granny's original name was Zebedee. Isn't that cool? So my family's name's in here, Zebedee. So they were, these men were ready in an instant to give everything up. What were they, what, what were they giving it up for? They were given up for an unknown future. There was no security. Um, it was against culture. It was against tradition of the time. But they knew when they seen Jesus, 
I need to follow this man. Sorry, I couldn't get lights on here because I, I can't really see. I must be getting older. I can't see my notes. So they were being invited to a new part of their lives, to start writing new poetry with their lives. They had a kingdom call on their lives that they couldn't deny. And so to follow Jesus in that moment was to completely turn their back on what they were doing and go in a new direction. And I believe that it wasn't a suggestion from Jesus, but a command, one they could either say yes to or say no to. And I'm going to start where I said yes, because I said no for a long time to Jesus. Uh, so hopefully my story today will sound a bit like this, and I hope it points to Jesus, all of it, and inspires you. And so um, our lives, this is Paul's, we'd done a conference a few years ago called Kairos, and this is where we got this from, but uh, our lives are made up of time, which is chronos, sequential time, just everyday, normal, mundane, fun, whatever it may be. But in this story, there is one of these moments here, a Kairos moment. A Kairos moment refers to one which is supreme, a marked out moment in time, one that marks your life from then on that you will never forget. And so I've had so many of these moments in my life where I've had a Kairos moment where I know this is God, this is life changing, this is going to change the rest of my life. It has created unforgettable moments. You all know those moments in your life, but I want to tell you a few of those moments, those Kairos moments this morning that I believe God intervened, God spoke, God moved, and it was Kairos moments in my life that have shaped who I am today. I'm a wee bit nervous because uh, you know I like to talk, and when you're giving your testimony, make sure you time me, okay? So, uh, young life, can anybody spot me there? You spot me? <laughs> Young life, I was brought up in Rich Hill, a typical Rich Hill home. My father was a sergeant in the RUC. My mother was a nurse in a nursing home, Sandown Nursing Home up the, ho up the road, which is no longer there. Um, Julie at the time, she was in Kleina. Joanne and me were in Hardy Memorial when this picture was taken. So this was, I think this was around the early 90s. Grew up in Rich Hill. Then my father... Um, my father was in community relations, started doing lots of stuff for the community, um, canoe and all that kind of stuff, and started getting the opportunity to get to tell people about Jesus. Uh, then had the opportunity to uh, go to Bible college, gave it all up. We moved from a lovely big house because my, my parents were in good wages into this little terrace house where we couldn't move. We didn't know what it hit us. Christmas, Christmases were no longer the same. Birthdays were no longer the same. Life was no longer the same. We had an old banger car that was always breaking down and it was all because my dad wanted to follow Jesus. Annoying. But now I understand. And so um, we, this is my family now. We, uh, I apologize, some of you may know all these things, but the point is, I'm looking back to point to Jesus. Uh, my father then took up the call to be a Baptist pastor, and we moved to Kilray up in County Derry, Londonderry. And I then became a pastor's son, a PPK, a pastor's perfect son, but I was the opposite. I was the pap pastor's uh, perfectly crazy son who'd done everything uh, wrong that they could have gone wrong and done wrong. I just wanted to push out the boat because I had expectations on me. Um, I then went to uh, school in Marafelt in the Rainy and Died and uh, found the joy of rugby in first year, just like young Caleb here has found an RMR Royal. Uh, it was the first sport I ever uh, did in my life that I was any good at. The rest of it, I wasn't like Neil. Neil looked at a sport and he was good at it. I wasn't like that. 
And so I took up rugby. This was in 2001. Got to go on a rugby tour to South Africa. Um, great times. And I had such great fun growing up in school. But again, I was the, the joker, the party animal. Whatever it may be, I was that in school. Complete opposite of a pastor's son. But I always um, knew about Jesus because of my parents. Um, where are we at now? I then went to Queen's University and studied geography. Uh, and in the middle of that, uh, I got the opportunity to do a scholarship uh, to go to America to study business. And uh, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but uh, initially I didn't get into study business in America. And uh, a few months later, I got a phone call. And I remember phoning my dad at the time, and I said, I know this might sound strange coming from me because I'm nowhere near Jesus, but I feel like God wants me to do this. And he just laughed. Um, at that stage, my mum and dad had moved away and left me by myself because they're probably listening now. Best thing ever happened to me probably, helped me grow into a young man. But they went to South Tenerife Christian Fellowship and ran a church there uh, for about 12, 13 years. Uh, so enjoyed some good summer holidays there in the middle of that. But um, in my uni days, played rugby for Korean, played rugby for Dungannon. But went to then, got a scholarship to go to America for a year and uh, went to Iowa Wesleyan University. I ended up playing rugby in a city called uh, Cedar Rapids for Headhunters. Lovely logo, isn't it? Uh, I still have the, uh, the shirt at home. I don't wear it very often because people think I'm part of a biker club or something. Maybe that would be good. I'll grow long hair and get my beard. Um, but the reason I mention this is because it was a very formative time of my life. Even though I wasn't listening to Jesus and hearing from Jesus, he was shaping the road ahead for me, but I didn't have a clue. Whenever I was in Iowa, um, I had been given a Bible by a friend of mine before I left, and this is it, the Student Life Bible. Didn't really, I knew how to sort of read it for sword drills back in the day where they give you 20p uh, for getting a verse, but I hadn't read it in years, and I brought it with me. And whenever I was in Iowa, I had everything. I had friends. I was going out. I was partying. I had enough money to live. It was a great time, but something was missing. And in that moment, I picked up this Bible, and I said, God, if you're real, will you speak to me? And uh, I didn't know where to turn to, but I just opened it. Now, I'd, this doesn't happen very often. Like, don't make a habit of just opening your Bible and saying, God, speak. It does work. But read through it properly and, and study and whatever. But God spoke to me because that's where I was. In Romans 13, it says this, The night is almost gone. Time's nearly up, David. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put them and put on shining ar the shining armor of right living. It goes on, Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. I was nearly floored in my bedroom in um, college in America that night. I knew that I'd been ignoring God for years. But guess what? Done nothing about it. I ended up coming home early because I was allergic to corn dust and Iowa produces 25% of the world's corn. And so I had to leave Iowa early. But I'm glad I did because I came home and uh, things went worse and worse. I started drinking heavier. I started getting depressed. I got a job in Marxies for the sake of it. The food was good, but nothing else was good. Um, Enjoyed it for a little season, but got really depressed. And it all came to head on the 25th of December, 2005. I was up in Garva in my sister's home, and at 2 a.m. in the morning, I couldn't sleep. I was, things were going over and over in my head. And I finally got on my knees, and I said, Jesus, I give up. 
I give up all the things that I've been scared to give up. And I choose to give my life to you. So I phoned my mum in Tenerife. And she said, David, I've been up since midnight praying for you. God woke me at midnight and I've been praying for you. I knew something was going on. And the tears were, I could hear them down the phone. And that's the moment I gave my life to Jesus. But guess what? The next morning, I didn't wake up perfect. I still, uh, the next week, I went to visit my sister in Scotland. She was living in Scotland. And I got the opportunity, is it called Hogmanay? Something I got there. Oh, dear blesses. Not a good place to go. Just the week after giving your life to Jesus. I went out drinking again. But guess what? I woke up the next morning and boom, the conviction of the Lord hit me. And I phoned my dad and I said, Dad, I need to get out of here. I need to get away from the life that I have. I need to get away and I need to completely have a new start to get my foundations, to get my feet. So I went to Tenerife for a month. Amazing. And whenever I was there, I met this little old man called Norman. He was 85 at the time and he used to bring me uh, to his room every morning to the balcony and he taught me how to read the word of God. He introduced me to word of the day from UCB and he read it through me and he told me stories of his past and then I found out he was the former CEO of British Steel. He had his own box of Blackburn Rovers, all this stuff, but this man was starting to divulge all the things he had done in his life that he wishes he hadn't of and he started to invest in me. And I'm so thankful for it. Another person I had invested in me was my nanny. Every day she prayed for me. She pleaded uh, for my soul every night to God over and over and over. She was one of the first people I told. And I used to spend every single Monday with her after I got saved. And so glad I did. Um, at that, at, sorry. Um, this is some of the guys I played rugby with a couple of years ago. Just happened to be one of their birthdays, and I got to go, and I've had so many great opportunities with these guys in America, telling them about Jesus, showing them uh, the difference in my life. At this time, whenever I came home, I was living in Castle Row, Cold Rain. I was trying lots of churches. I didn't know what I wanted to be. Uh, I had a bad experience in the Baptist, not saying they're all bad, um, but the one I went to was, uh, that's enough, enough said. Um, did try, ended up in Korean Baptist and really enjoyed it. And whenever I was there, I'm, I'm sure you, some of you have heard of Valingus. Valingus was preaching on the Lord's Prayer, but I wasn't listening to him. I was reading ahead to this thing called fasting. Has everybody heard of it? I had never heard of it. It had never been talked about. I had never heard anything about fasting, but I read ahead and I felt God said, this needs to be a part of your life. And so the next day I went out, I was needing a job and I started to fast and pray. And that was a bad thing because I loved my food still and I loved it then. Started to fast and pray, but guess what? I started to hear clearly from God, more clearer than I've ever heard of him, heard him before, and getting answers. I then got a job uh, for the National Trust on the Port Stewart Strand Beach and got to spend every day in the dunes with Jesus and growing my relationship with God. And I was telling everybody, you couldn't come across me without me telling you about Jesus and trying to, to introduce you to him. Um, that's why I'm looking back because I need to get back to that. Anybody else with me? In a good way, not in the, you know, the way that scares people away. Um, so I uh, went to Port Stewart Baptist, and this is a defining Kairos moment. I was in Port Stewart Baptist. I had just started um, fasting and praying about things. And there were three things this day in the Sunday service that I said, God, I need an answer from you in these things. Now, it doesn't always happen like this, but it did this day. The three things were this. I had, a feeling, I had this thing in my heart. I want to go to Bible college. Don't know why, just back then it was the thing everybody done, but I really felt God saying, I want you to go to Bible college. God, give me an answer. Number two, this girl came to my life. She was absolutely beautiful. I came up here to listen to Eugene Smith one day. Didn't hear a word he said. 
met this beautiful young girl. Her mother was standing beside her, and her dad was standing in the background giving me dirty looks. He's over there. So I was a wee bit worried. But I said, God, I'm not going to talk to her. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to give it to you in prayer. If we're meant to be together, she's going to be with me. And the last one was my middle sister, Joanne. She had, uh, she had um, backslidden away from Jesus. And I said, God, will you please bring her back to you? Call her back. Those are the three things. And I said, God, even a text message would be good from Nicola, just to confirm there's something there. So that Sunday after church, I walked out, and as soon as I walked out of church, guess who I got a text message from? This beautiful girl, Nicola. Next thing, my sister phones me, and she said, David, what are you doing tonight? I said, I'm going to Port Street Baptist. She said, can I come with you? I said, yes, no problem. Went to Port Street Baptist that night. The preacher, Mike Williams, stopped in the middle of it, and he said, and his, you know, his Balabani accent, he talks about there, he's really excited, he's a brilliant preacher. He said, uh, I just need to stop. I feel like God's saying there's a young man in here that's been praying about going to Bible college. You're to go. And then back to his preaching. I was like, oh my goodness. So I phoned Mike Williams that night and uh, I stalked him to get his number. And I met him the next day and he says, David, I'll tell you one thing. God can say that you're meant to go, but you need to wait in his timing. Not what a young man wants to hear. And we'll leave it there. I got a phone call from my sister the next day and she said, David, I've given my life back to Jesus. She now goes to Portia Baptist, leads worship there. The whole family go, God's good, Kairos moments. But then I met this, uh, no, not that beauty. They're not beautiful. <laughs> Where are we? There. Met this beauty. And my life changed forever. Again, fasting and praying about Nicola. Didn't talk to her for three months. Said, God, if you're in this, you, you make it known. Met Nicola, she said the same thing. I've been fasting and praying for three months about you from the moment I met you. We knew we were meant to be married. It wasn't as easy as that. There's lots of stuff in the background, twos and fro's, young people being silly and uh, emotions and all that there. But many years later, 14 years later, married, we're, we're going strong. God's good. Kairos moment. Um, I then uh, was struggling for a place to live and to work. Didn't tell anybody about it. I want to honor Ronnie in this. Ronnie came to me and he said, I felt like God was saying, you need somewhere to live. I said, what? <laughs> I've been fasting and praying, saying, God, I need somewhere to live. I need a job. He found me somewhere to live and he offered me a job. And I moved back down to County Armagh in 2006. And I've never looked back. Started working as a van helper. Actually started volunteering in the Lammas Fair. Do you remember that? Lammas Fair up in Ballycastle. We had a shop up there, a drop-in shop. And uh, I've never looked back. Next one. Got married in 2007. Look at the suits we were wearing. Some old school stuff there. It was great. And then, not long after we were married, about three months, we got a lovely wee surprise of this young man that was uh, sitting on Nicola's knee. Young Daniel back there on the screen. Yep, he's 12 now. Uh, young parents didn't have a clue what we were doing. Traumatic birth, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but we're so excited to have Daniel in our lives. And then, in uh, this is him in Venezuela when he was six months old. Puma was our interpreter. See Puma holding him up there. Um, some great memories. And then I'm putting this in quickly in 2009. This is a fulfillment of God's word. This is me in, or of God's prophetic word over my life. This is me in Belfast Bible College with my classmates, um, which was absolutely brilliant time of my life. 
Now into a part of my life that most of you know about that I want to just go over again really quickly. Um, studied in Cedar Rapids, Iowa in 2005, but then in 2009, I had a dream. I hadn't thought of that place from 2005, but in 2009, I all of a sudden had this really clear dream of this city called Cedar Rapids in Northern Ireland. Now, for all of you who need to know, it's like Straban. If you're from Straban, sorry. It's like Straban, in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows where it is. Nobody ever goes there. You don't go through it unless you really have to. This was the middle of nowhere, but God woke me up in a dream. And uh, I have a bit from my journal here. I have my journal in my bag. Said I woke up at 3 a.m. after dreaming about Cedar Rapids. I can't get back to sleep because I can't get this place out of my mind. Why on earth? I'm asking God the same question. That was in January 2010. Then on the 6th of June 2010, we're moving forward to this slide. Uh, I met Nigel in Haiti. But as I was landing in Miami en route to Haiti, I got this vision of landing in Cedar Rapids and all of a sudden wrote in my journal, um, the plane landed in Miami en route to Haiti. I had a vision of landing in Cedar Rapids, but why do I need to go there, God? Why do I keep thinking about this place? When I came home from Haiti, I decided that I needed to take things seriously. So I started to pray and God gave me two words. You need discernment and discipline. You need to hear from me clearly to know what I am saying to you and you need discipline. Uh, part of that discernment was talking to someone I trusted, and uh, I didn't know him as well back then, but I know him really well now, and it's young Neville here. Sorry, Neville, I always talk about you in my sermons. But I went and met with Neville, and Neville said, you need two things, David. What do you think he said? You need discernment and discipline. I was like, oh, God told me that yesterday myself. And he confirmed what I needed. So that started me on a track of getting into the Word of God, reading asking God to speak to me, being really disciplined in my devotion and my time with the Lord. In that season, I, I very remember, barely remember watching any TV because every time I had, I just wanted to get into the Word to hear clearly um, from God about what He was saying. Um, then in July 2010, I was leading a team to Venezuela and uh, this young man over here, Nigel, was there and he was a missionary in Venezuela. And I have this um, from my journal from that time. Today I spoke with Nigel from the perspective that he is on the mission field and had experience in seeking and following the call of God to a new nation. He was excited for me. He said, but you don't know how long God may want you there for. It may just be a season of replanting something. Little did I know. Um, but what I do know is you need to go there. You need to seek him and you need to put your feet on the ground. Some of the best advice I've ever been given from Nigel. The problem was I didn't have any money at that stage. Um, just with a new kid and new marriage, uh, I didn't have much money. I said, God, if you want me to go, you're going to have to give me the money. And I remember I was sitting in this place called, was it the 4th of July? Or what's it called? The 5th of July. It's not the 12th. They're getting mixed up in all these. It's called the 5th of July. And uh, it was quite a dodgy area, but I remember I was getting up to preach. But before I was getting up, I said, God, if you want me to go, you need to provide and make the way. And so some of you already know the story. The next day, I didn't get on the flight um, back to Northern Ireland. Pregnant wife on the phone saying, why are you not coming home? But I got a $400 voucher from Delta Airlines the very next day after praying that towards a flight. God was starting to answer prayer. Another Kairos moment that I want to tell you about, because I don't want to linger on it too long, is that uh, from me leaving university um, back in 2005, every time I went into America, I got pulled into the detention center and frisked and interrogated, whatever it was, there was some blip on my account. I says, God, if I'm going to go back and live here, you need to get rid of that blip. 
So that same flight that I missed, the next day, I was on a flight through Atlanta and again praying, God, you need to do this for me. Got pulled in to be interrogated for about the 10th time in my life. But I went up and this was different. The lady said to me, David, it seems like there's just something strange in your account. I'm going to fix it for you today. Two days after praying. Kairos moment, it was in God's hands. He knew everything. Um, anyway, God provided a way. I had strangers come up and handshake me and say, God told me to give you money. I had money come in from different places that I wasn't expecting, and everything was provided uh, for me to go. And in 2010, I randomly went to um, this city called Cedar Rapids. And uh, before that, I had this moment. I was driving on the Dobbin Road out of a filling station, and I was overcome with an emotion that I'd never had before. And I explained to Nicola afterwards, it must be what happens when people are sent to different places in the world and God breaks your heart for it. There is nothing you can do to change your mind because God has done something in your heart to break it for that nation, for that people, for that place. And I came back and I was in tears and I was scared of telling Nicola. Now, at this point, Nicola was heavily pregnant. Um, again, second one and uh, emotional and I came in to tell her I think God wants us to move to the other side of the world away from your daddy she's a daddy's girl away from your daddy terrified of telling her even more terrified of telling him and uh, that moment I came in and said Nicola I can do nothing about this God has done something in my heart and I went to sleep I was just praying I was overcome I was so tired you ever have those moments you're so overcome with emotion you just fall asleep fell asleep and in, in, in when I was sleeping um, God spoke to me in my dream uh, from Matthew 12, 46 to 50. And I woke up and picked up the Bible beside my bed. And the passage says, obedience is thicker than blood. And God spoke to me and said, those who are obedient to my call, I would call them brothers, sisters, mothers. And I knew in that moment, I need to do whatever it takes to follow the will of God in my life, no matter how it looks. And that was in 2010. So I ended up going to a random church. That's another long story. Um, met with the pastor. He said, I'll clear my schedule for an hour. Four hours later, we ended up um, leaving IHOP, having pancakes, because he was, he was from the same city that I had studied in years before. He knew people I had knew. I had even nearly got arrested by his brother-in-law seven years previously whenever I was um, partying. And that was another story. We ended up going to his house and getting to know this policeman. Uh, God's good. But he said to me, listen, I don't usually do this, but I would love you to come and speak at my church on Sunday and tell your story. I know I'm crazy because I don't know you, but I just feel like God's saying you need to do this. So I went to his church, um, Cedar Rapids Family Church, that Sunday, told my story. At the end, he said, who has been impacted by this story? And 15 people come up and give their lives to Jesus. Now, at that point, I had still bills to pay. I had a rental car that I'd taken out. It was $280. Didn't have the $280. This random man, who's now a good friend, came up and gave me a card. And he said, God told me you needed this. Whatever's on, that's what you need. He said, I think there's $30. I said, that's not what I need. I need more than that. I went to the drive through ATM because Americans are lazy. Sorry. Sorry, I forgot Americans are here. Sorry. Some Americans are lazy. I would love a drive through one right now. Sorry. Put, the, put it into the ATM. $280 exactly to pay from a car. Kairos moments, provision of God, indications with the people getting saved. It was just phenomenal. Um, I was, as I was driving out of the city to go back from my, uh, my plane journey home, uh, I had met a guy 
and he was a radio presenter, and my story was being told across Christian radio in the state of how this crazy Irish man had come, another indication of God opening doors and providing. He is now the manager of our drop-in store uh, over there. So uh, 2011, I convinced Nicola to go to Iowa to see what God wanted for us there. Uh, and how I convinced her was this. We went to Disneyland afterwards. <laughs> uh, God provided all of it. But now, I want, um, when I talk about this, I want you to wait to the end to make your decision on how you feel about me describing this. Um, the more I read back in this, Nicola was heavily pregnant. Like, what a superstar. That's very American. That she was obedient to the call of God in the middle of all this. She wasn't pregnant at this stage. She was just had little Joshua, where are you, in the blue there. Just had Joshua, and he was a few months old whenever I put her on a plane and said, we're going here to see if God wants us to come here and see if we want to live here. Imagine that, thousands of miles away. And after two days of being there, something wasn't right. You know when you know your wife, something wrong with her, but she won't tell you what it is, and you have to pull it out of her. We went down to the basement of the house, and I said, Nicola, what's wrong? She said, I just feel, I think the words, I just feel evil about how I feel about being here. I don't want to be here. And so at that moment, I said, Nicola, I haven't told you, but I've been fasting and praying for months now, every day, that if it's not meant to be, he'll take it away from my heart, and if it is, he'll put it in yours. And so you just be confident, and whatever we're meant to be here for, you'll know. We prayed, that was it. Three days later, we went out for a date. We left our children with the random pastor that we'd only met. Such good parents. And uh, we went on the date, and uh, she said, David, what do you think? Are we meant to come here? Is God calling us here? And I said, you tell me. And she started to cry. And she said, God's changed my heart. God's only, only God could have done it. And there, that started a great adventure that changed our lives. We went on to establish a drop-in charity shop. Um, we got all over the news. Did you know that, Dan or Nigel? You were on the news in the USA. Uh, we started a young adults uh, inside-out mission. And what I would love to tell you, whenever I came back, I did not pursue anything. I said, God, I would love to go here and work as a pastor. I would love to go here and be a part of this church of Pastor Daniel but I didn't say anything to anyone. In January 2010, the pastor of the church came over to see us about dropping, and uh, he said to me, David, what's God saying to you about the future? And I said, you tell me. And he, um, he started to talk, and he said word for word what I had written in my journal of what I felt God saying to me that he wanted me to do, that he wanted us to go there for. And that was to... Um, that was to establish a drop-in store, an inside-out youth club. When I was at university there, there was nothing for people of my age back then, not now, um, if they wanted to know more about Jesus. Um, there was nothing for youth work. And loads of people in uh, Iowa had never been outside of it. They didn't have passports to travel, and I wanted to open up their eyes to World Mission. And all of those things have since happened. And we got some great visitors along the way, looking a bit younger there, Neville. Daniel had his first day of preschool. One of the um, Karos moments that I want to talk about is after we came home. Uh, I'll not tell the story of how we came home because I need to finish up. 
After we came home, we had been given this building for a youth centre, but we had no money to open it. And uh, it was about six or seven years ago, just before I left to come home, we met with, it's like the Rotary Club, and uh, we were being interviewed and interrogated, what are you going to use the money for? And blah. They ended up giving us $80,000 to make a state-of-the-art youth centre in a really run-down area where we can help kids and teach them how to eat right, teach them with their after-school clubs, about maths, about budgeting, all this different stuff. And God provided the way. When we were coming home, um, God spoke to me first and then spoke to Nicola about the fact that we were meant to come home. And he spoke to us from Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 62. It's the only time in my life where scripture has jumped out of the page. And it was like high definition up here. And God gave me a commission in my life. No matter what you do, no matter what job you're in, no matter what role you're in, I'm calling you to be a forerunner, to clear the way, to smooth the path, to make things accessible for my people. Isaiah was not written to individuals. Isaiah was written to a people of God. And I'm taking it and claiming it as a people of God for me too. We're called to, be, to make it clear to not make the gospel so inaccessible that it scares people away. And that's what I've been doing um, ever since. So came home 2012, um, opened up a few things with drop-in, got the opportunity to, to travel the world. Uh, this was us in, uh, where are we at? Burkina Faso. We started, uh, we had the internship in, uh, in drop-in. We had some great interns. Look at this, I thought this was amazing. Even before they were together, hmm. Look at them. I should have known something was going on. I will. He will. So uh, they were, they're married now and lovely. Where are you? There you are, Anastasia. Um, God just brought us back home and we just went full swing at whatever he was giving us. It was pretty hard. And can I tell you, when God speaks to you and brings you somewhere and does something and there's great things happening and then all of a sudden you feel like he's changed his mind, but he makes it very clear. It's a very confusing time in life. And it, I'll be honest with you, it took me years to get over it. It took me years to work out why did you do all this to then go a different direction. But I'm so glad I came home. Do you know why? Because, um, what's his name? Mark Twain. Mark Twain, he says, there are two important days, the day you were born and the day you realize why you were born. And back, um, I think it was 2014, I realized why I, was I, why I was born. Why I was born was to hear the voice of God and to give that away. I'd been brought up in a Baptist background, Father, Son, Bible, and I'd never encountered the Holy Spirit. I had never heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. I had never heard the voice of God. I had never seen prophetic images. I had never been led in that way really before. But in this moment, in 2014, I encountered Jesus in a way like I had never done before, and I realized this, this is the day of my salvation. I understand why I was saved today. I understand why I was saved, and I'm going to give this away. And so I started hearing the Lord and giving it away to people. Um, we had our third son, and can you imagine you have two boys, and then a third one is here. A third one on the way. Well, not actually, we didn't know what was coming, but Nicola and I were in our house, and we said, God, I would love a wee girl. It wasn't a bad thing, we just, we just love a wee girl. I said, well, let's pray about it. And Nicola was kind of stressing about it. What do, you know, what do I do? Like, I want a little girl in my heart, but what if it's a boy? What do I do? And we started to pray. I said, God, will you speak to us? And as we started to pray, um, God brought us to Genesis 29, 32. Do you remember that standing in the living room? I didn't have a clue. Like, you know, I'm not super, super spiritual. I didn't know what Genesis 29, 32 was, but I opened it up and it said, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
I was like, Nicola, we're having a, we're having a boy. She said, she named him Reuben, for he said, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. But I said, we'll leave that bit out. But guess what? We had a boy, and we called him Reuben. He's there somewhere. Where are you, Reuben? The Lord told us we were having a boy. And so for me, um, I started reading books that I was told not to read. I started encountering Jesus in ways that I haven't. I'll wrap up in five minutes. And... uh, I started praying for miracles. God forbid, I started praying for miracles. The first miracle I seen was Nicola. Nicola had a, um, a massive growth um, after feeding one of the children. I don't want to embarrass you. Um, wouldn't go away, antibiotics, all this stuff wouldn't go away. We ended up in A&E and it was the size of a golf ball and we were going into the A&E and I was reading a book by Bill Johnson. One of the books I was told not to read about when heaven invades earth. And I said, God, if you move and other people pray, can you not move when I pray? I love Nicola and I would love to see her healed. And she walked into the bathroom to feed Reuben and I said, God, I just ask that you would remove this growth and this will be a sign that this is a gift that you're given that I am going to follow and pursue. And Nicola went in, she was white as a ghost, she was really, really hot and when she came out of the toilet, her face was beaming. And she said, David, it's disappeared. The first person I got to tell was my auntie who wasn't a Christian. But during lockdown, she gave her life to Jesus at the age of 65. Um, one more thing. I've still got a few more pages here, sorry. But I'm not going to tell you at all. Uh, we had three boys. And Nicola's heart, Nicola had worked in the drop-in charity shops. And for years, she had picked up this little pink coat. And she said... She believed she was going to have a girl. And she had kept that little pink duffel coat in our house. I thought she was crazy from the day we got married. She had it in her room before she even met me. She had this coat. She was going to have a girl. But she had three caesareans. And she was told to have another one would be crazy. I know we're giving a lot of detail there, Nicola, but you can cope with it. Because God is good and it's all pointing towards God. She was told not it would be dangerous to have any more. There was too many complications. And I was in the old church, and we were praying one night, and Paul talks about going to the third heaven. I didn't believe in stuff like that. Again, I had started to say, God, I'll trust people, but I want my own experiences. These things I read in your word, these things I read in books, I want my own story to tell. And I started to get those stories whenever I asked and started pursuing and, and stepping out. I was in that church, and uh, I, it, it looked like I fell asleep, because young Jason, who's not here now, he came up to me afterwards and said, David, I thought like you were dead or something. I don't know what happened. But I went completely out of it. And when I went out of it, I seen this vision. And in the vision, I seen this little blonde girl. And she was in a balcony, and she jumped out to me and said, Daddy, blonde hair, blue eyes. Now, look, I'm dark, dark hair. And she said, Daddy, and all these pink things came flying at me. And next thing, I seen a rock with a dime. And I came home that night, and I said, Nicola, I think God's saying we're going to have a girl. I only told her, and I told Neil, and I told, I think I told Ronnie and Carolyn, because I was scared that I'd get it wrong. I said, I think we're going to have a girl. Couldn't work out what the dime and the rock meant. So I started praying for a few days, and eventually I realized that the, the coin is worth 10, and a set in stone, it's a set time. And uh, felt like the Lord saying, 10 months' time. I thought, oh, fuck me. So nothing was happening, nothing was happening. Went to Ukraine to a conference that we were taking. I came home, and Nicola said, David, something's happened. 
I'm pregnant. <laughs> and 10 months after that vision, she gave birth to a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl called Sarah, which means princess. A chaos moment. And when I look back at those moments, um, even in the Bible, when God announces a birth, something profound is going to happen in that child's life. I believe it over all my children. But something profound. This morning she gave me a really good prophetic word. She said, Daddy, Jesus makes curtains. I still don't know what it means. But Jesus makes curtains. I'm trying to work it out if it's just her. Uh, I'm, only, I'm only joking. She did say that. Uh, okay, so I'll just leave the end of it because it's ten past and we'll have part B another time. But let me leave you with this. Eugene Peterson says, trying to find life anywhere else is like drinking salt water. It will never satisfy you. Can I tell you that in all these chaos moments, I have been well satisfied. And in the times where I stray away from the Lord or away from his will or don't stop to hear his voice, I am more thirsty in a bad way than I've ever been before. Nothing fulfills what Jesus has placed over your life. And can I tell you, hard questions come when you follow Jesus. I still struggle with the whys of why did you bring us to a place and tear us away? Because do you know the reality? For me and Nicola and I, our hearts are in two places. We profoundly love the people of the city that we were called to. But we profoundly love the people of Rich Hill. Our heart was broken. Absolutely broken for that city. And I believe God is still going to do something. God is going to do something miraculous there and here. But I get the, I get, we get the opportunity to be involved in both. If God's speaking to you about something, don't run away from it. Don't run away from it because you will regret it. We had moments of fighting and of hardship and of not knowing what we were doing. But you know what? best decision we ever made of our life was to follow Jesus. My mum and dad, it was hard for me back in the day when they weren't there, but it was the best decision they ever made. And they were setting me up for the future. Ronnie and Carolyn, in those moments where they've been on mission trips in a way, it was setting up for the future and pointing ahead to what their children, their great-grandchildren, everything was going to do because of leading by example. And can I encourage you? Sorry, I hate crying, embarrassing my children. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Can I be honest? Too much lately, I haven't been delighting myself in the Lord. I've been delighting myself in other things apart from the Lord. Not bad, but not the Lord. And lastly, Psalm 23. He guides me along right paths. Why? To bring honor to his name. Everything you're doing can point back. You can look at it. Where the Lord's hand is in it, where those Kairos moments are happening, it is to bring honor to his name. You have a choice this morning with what you're doing to bring honor to his name. And can I encourage you this morning, whether you're already on your journey and you just need fired up, hopefully we can do, hopefully we can do that. If you have something on your heart that you believe God's speaking you to, do it. Get it out there. Get it in the open. Speak to someone. Neville's the one in the church now. You know the wisdom and Ronnie. Go to the gray hairs. Nigel, go to the gray hair. Boys, we're getting gray too. 
But let me tell you this. Life is a roller coaster. You've just got to ride it. But I want a roller coaster that Jesus is in charge of. It's up and down. It's all over the place. But it is an absolute blast and adventure. If you follow Jesus and you're bored, you're not following Jesus. Amen. I better stop. I'm going to get, uh, I'll look at it afterwards. And it's like 15 minutes online. I'll freak out. So guys, I really appreciate you uh, listening to me this morning. Uh, I have so many more Kairos moments uh, that I cannot mention and talk about, but I encourage you to get your own, get your own stories, share your own stories. And if you, have, if you feel you want to be next in the Take Me Back time, let us know because we would love to hear your story too. Thanks.